0: Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of MonarchAstrology.com. In this video, I'm going to be sharing with you some things about Saturn in Pisces, which is a major ingress that's happening in 2023. It'll ingress March 7th, and we'll have it there for around two and a half years. And while you're here, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video, leave a comment at some point, and let me know what you're thinking and what resonates with you. This is a written article that you can find on my website also, and I'm going to be reading it to you and sharing thoughts um, and extrapolating on things as I go. So just to get a sense of what is Saturn in Pisces, there's something immediately a little bit antithetical about Saturn and about Pisces. Saturn on the one hand being about hard reality or reality or boundaries, limitations, structure, whereas Pisces is pretty boundaryless, imaginative, dreamy and fantastical. Saturn is sobriety on the one hand while Pisces relates to intoxication on the other. Right? And not just intoxication from a substance or from alcohol, but intoxication maybe from a nervous system flood of chemicals and hormones rushing in our system and the way that we might not be totally sober in those moments. The more I think about Saturn and Pisces and differentiate them, it also brings up questions of which one is the intoxicant in some sense, because we can be in reality in a socially constructed sense or in the social reality, and it's still a drug, right? There's been moments of, say, mass psychosis or the masses, you know, like a wave coming up in the collective psyche. And even if the culture is a certain way, it doesn't mean it's necessarily um, sober. So we can think about sobriety at different levels, whether we're talking super literally in terms of, you know, human bodies and substances, or we're thinking about Seeing things clearly and being in touch with reality versus being somewhere else. If we probe deeper into Saturn and Pisces and this apparent antithetical quality of them um, in combination, we can think about the processes by which a dream becomes a reality. Right? And Saturn and Pisces can turn our attention to this dynamic. You know, on the one hand, how we're efforting to construct a dream but also how certain dreams, certain illusions we have are being shattered. We're being disillusioned of them. And that's like a bitter medicine or a hardship that can come from Saturn in Pisces, right? No one likes to have their dream pop per se, but there has to be something here. Um, You know, Pisces, traditional rulership, Jupiter, planet that relates to truth, Uh, Modern rulership, Neptune, Neptune also relates to this, you know, spectrum of ultimate truth, like the, you know, capital T truth, ultimate reality versus all of the things that we mistake for that. Um, And so if we're being disillusioned, there's a way that that can be leading us um, into deeper layers of the truth. And so ultimately, that's a good thing. But in the moments, in the initiations themselves, it really doesn't feel that way, especially if we've been stripped away of some illusion, but we haven't had the full reconciliation celebration, ah, like, you know, rainbow at the end of the tunnel or rainbow after the storm that makes it all feel good or make sense, right? And so there's um, tests or trials essentially that can go into um, our faith, you know, or our general trust in life. Can be very existential, I think. So let's back up. I want to talk about what is reality, right? And I have that's a big question, so I do have an angle for it, and I'm really inspired. It's been a couple of years since I, um, well, actually now I guess it's been maybe five years or so that I um, was introduced to Robert Bella's work. Robert Bella is a scholar. He wrote a book, Religion and Human Evolution, and this book. I mean, even just like the first 100 pages shattered me, changed my life, like it's really compelling. Um, And I keep coming back to it. But he defines normal life in a way that's one of my favorite definitions I've ever come into contact with. Um, He describes two different kinds of realities. So one that we call normal life is related to the fundamental anxiety of death, right, if you boil it all the way down. And the movement we make through the world to work and get things done, to be effective members of society, it's how we relate to objectives and tasks, right? And so it's in this state of consciousness that we manage to get to appointments on time, right, that I understand the technology of how to make this video and how to get it out to you. Um, It's how we take care of chores or work. It's how we generally take care of the tasks that ensure our existence at a basic level, Right. This type of reality is both grounded in our organismic reality in the way that we're not just floating around in space um, without bodily needs. It's like we do have to eat and obtain resources um, and work with resources to survive. And so that grounds us into that kind of um, survivalistic way of being. Right, And then this type of reality of normal life is also tapped into a cultural grid of what's normal or socially accepted. Um, Take, you know, how we obtain water for drinking. Depending on our social environment, we may get water from the tap. Maybe the tap water um, isn't safe to drink and it's normal to go, you know, have to buy jugs of water or get them delivered. Um, Or maybe we get water directly from the land from a spring or something like that. Um, And that's just an example of how, like, yeah, we need water, but there's different ways depending on the culture. Um, you can use more complex examples than that, um, and then there are certain rules and social consequences that exist in this shared reality, dependent on the culture, time, era, etc. Right? This definition of normal life, and what's social, um, what's a social norm, what's culturally accepted. It has this aura to it of like, this is life, this is the way things are to an extent, but it's also highly dependent on, you know, the moment of time in history, the location, and so on. Um, and then there's certain roles and social consequences that exist in this shared reality. So, well, theoretically, I can go to the grocery store naked if I want to, um, it will set off a series of consequences in the social reality, right? Like getting arrested or taken in for psychiatric observation or whatever. Um, So, you know, there is the social contract, however um, apparent or subtle it is in certain instances. And then there's the um, real enough consequences for breaking the social contract. Bella explains that no one likes to live in normal life or normal reality forever, that it's unbearable to just be in that kind of mechanistic. It doesn't have to be mechanistic, but there's a way of like um, just the simple tasks of living and being like in the monotony of the world, you know, as it's portrayed here. Um, And that we periodically escape from normal life through games or play or art entertainment, daydreams, sleeping, and we enter other worlds, right? Like we suspend the world of everyday activity and go into another realm. It's in this more hypnotic trance or flow state that we're engaged in games, we're playing music, we're taking in a film. And Bella explains that at times the other worlds we touch awaken us to change our normal life, such as if you know, you're seeing a play or a performance and you're so moved by it. You're getting chills in your body. You're having this kind of peak experience of how touched you are by the art and you're starting to see your life differently and you're getting compelled to change your life in some way. Right. So these other worlds we dip into, you know, are similar too. if you are someone who likes to vision and daydream and you get ideas in that space that you then um, filter into, you know, your quote, normal life. These worlds then intersect all of the time. Bella also speaks to a state of consciousness, so another kind of world, if you will, that is the religious experience. So as opposed to normal life, which operates in standard time and standard space, and this allows us to, say, you know, get to appointments on time, um, the socially agreed calendar clock time, for example... But in religious experience or in these altered states, these mystical oneness states, time seems to change or stretch or expand or speed up. We might feel an ecstasy, a visitation of the sublime, feel a profound sense of peace and perfection, or start having these realizations and really understand the interconnectedness of all things. Our experience essentially becomes psychedelic and we're in communion with the universe. And definitely, you know, not a space of standard time, standard space. That's not normal life. Um, one can cultivate a lifestyle or a spiritual path or a way of their embodiment where they um, access those types of states um, in more and more ways, more frequently, um, right? Like I am a lover of peak experiences and um, of trance Right. And I um, I was really moved to find out recently I didn't um, maybe I had forgotten this, um, but some of my ancestry is Russian. And I learned that some of the like older Russian shamans um, to get into these altered states instead of, you know, as opposed to some shamanic traditions which utilize medicines, substances to commune. Um, these Russian shamans were in touch with trance, like getting into an altered state through, um, I'm not sure what the specifics are, but I know for me, I I love trance. And if I am in in a state of embodiment or meditation, um, moving in a different way, like kind of just starting to hypnotize myself, I easily enter into trance states. And then my reality is different and something comes through, there's some kind of awakening, there's some portal in that. Um, and as far, you know, what I was saying about peak experiences is that one of the major things that I have would consider like a core life lesson or something that I've been learning is how to um, maintain uh, that state of access to ecstasy or to peak experiences And to also reconcile with the ways that they change forms or the losses that I experience of like a certain portal to that high changing. Right. And this is what, you know, when I hear like the when I hear the basic thing that people say about um, drug addiction, for example, is that the first time you get that hit You know, it's the best thing ever. And then subsequently, every time you get high after that, you're trying to reach that state and you can never quite get back to it. So there's this kind of tragic, like, you'll never get there. You're Sisyphus rolling a boulder up a hill and it just rolls back down. Um, And what I find about peak experience is that to me, it's like um, one of my versions of religious experience, you know, to be in these ecstatic states and then... um, It's the attachment or the addiction to the particular portal of getting there. That's something that I've had to really reconcile with, um, you know, especially when it's come through the portal of love addiction. So a particular channel that I'm building with someone else. And then if the relationship, when the relationship falls through being like, I don't know how to get to that space again and I miss it. And how can I live without it? Right. And unlike it being, um, a drug where you could potentially just go get the fix again, maybe the portal to get that fix has, uh, left. I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but I'm just thinking about Saturn and Pisces and just kind of like the hardships or trials that we go through in terms of relating to intoxication as, and sobriety. Um, because the way that I, you know, When I'm thinking about peak experiences and other worlds, it's like I see the value, the spiritual value in entering into those higher states or these ecstatic or these otherworldly places. But I've also had to learn how to be responsible with it in terms of how it integrates into my whole life, um, what kinds of sacrifices I'm making, what I'm putting on the line, or how these things are actually enhancing uh, my life and feeding my creativity and feeding my connection to service and self and all of that. Um, but let me get back to this point about multiple realms, right? So I've shared that there's normal life, the kind of like day to day getting through the world. There's these kind of altered states we enter, um, that suspend normal life, such as when we're watching a movie or we're playing music. And then there's full on like religious experience, like time is melting and, you know, you're just in ecstatic union, In sharing the definitions of these reality states and how they interact, Bella informs the reader that the normal life is not as real as we, you know, or quote, real life, sorry. It's not as real as we tend to imagine, but rather it's a set of constructs put into place that we culturally agree upon and that they are real enough to the extent that the architecture of this socially agreed upon reality influences things like um, our belonging, our freedom, rights, socioeconomic ability, earning power in the world, career, etc., so on. You know, it's this plane of existence that has social consequences, but is not in of itself an ultimate reality, rather a construction. And so what does it take, you know, what is the maturation of consciousness to understand that there's some different architectures in these different worlds, um, Normal life or real life not being as real as we imagine doesn't mean it doesn't matter, right? Like you want to have a functional life and you want to have space for the things that you do really love doing that involves taking care of certain basic life details, um, routines, taxes, etc, because failing to address those things or, you know neglecting them creates consequences that then interrupt you know the rest of your life, right? Just a simple way of looking at it. Um, And at the same time, I think Saturn and Pisces will be drawing us toward becoming more intelligent and more adept at code switching between the worlds or navigating belonging in multiple realms at once, and also understanding the consequences of how they mix, right? Like something that I um, was thinking about as I was collecting these ideas is say like a certain... You know, television show. Like, I love um, series. I love um, getting into a story, right? And sometimes these stories have a way of like inspiring or awakening things in me, or even just giving me like respite and relaxation, a time to um, relax my mind, right? It can have that effect. Some stories have a disturbing quality to it, or there's something intense about it where I can't watch too much of it without having it kind of seep into my um, consciousness in a way that might be, okay, I've watched too much of that, or like it's it's infiltrating my consciousness, right? You have music that you've listened to that gets stuck in your head. Um, This is just a really simple, basic thing, but it can get more and more complex if we think about how we're digesting the realities that we're dipping into, um, and both how we might increase our capacity or our skill of doing that, and also how we might be discerning about what we need to be digesting, where it is that we have a choice. Saturn and Pisces both, um, and so Saturn not in Pisces, but Saturn alone, Pisces alone, they each have a capacity to enter different worlds. So I'll share first how Pisces does it and then we'll go to Saturn. Pisces as an archetype straddles multiple worlds um, by its very nature. It's often said to have one foot in reality and one foot in the dream. So the show Insecure created by Issa Rae came to mind. Issa's character is engaged in real situations throughout the show but frequently has scenes play out in her imagination and the narrative toggles us back and forth between what is actually happening versus what Issa is imagining. And not surprisingly, um, she does have Pisces placements, right? So you have these kind of like real life dream sequences interspersed in the continuity of, you know, what's actually happening in the shared reality, Pisces is to some degree anchored on earth and then also existing in another plane or place. Like the medium who senses the presence of people who have passed on, right? Can feel them around other people, but other people don't have that same access. The mystic who sees auras, the kid at school who is deep in reading fantasy books, the daydreamer who is deep in reverie, right? And you're like waving your hand in front of their face, like, hey, are you there? Kind of image came through. Right? So being in a different world with Pisces isn't inherently mystical, right? It's imagination, it's capacity to be in another timeline or another space. It's not always about psychic insight or you know something explicitly spiritual. It can often be, um, you know, something of the artist as well. This quality of being in different worlds has an obvious romantic quality to it that I'm sure you can feel. It also has its own set of dangers um, or liabilities, right? Like sometimes it takes the form of disassociation. Sometimes the split between worlds is too thick, resulting in this existential depression that real life is boring or not magical. I have this beautiful inner world and this connection, but my real life is like, you know, it's like I dream in color, but my life is in black and white. And that disparity is depressing, um, or sometimes the split between worlds is way too thin, like in moments of psychosis when one's inner reality and, you know, inner psychological reality and one's external world become one, and the person can't tell the difference. What's mine and what's happening, right? Is it can be a psychosis state. And then sometimes the tracks aren't working together. You know, a person fantasizes and daydreams, but does nothing to actualize those particular realities. So that's what we're kind of working with. Um, Some of the romantic and dreamy potentials of Pisces, yes. And then also because we're thinking about Saturn, what are the potential challenges and issues of being, um, you know, a walker of different realms or straddling different realms at once? Um, definitely the gift of a visionary or an artist or, you know, a seer, it can be a talent, but we also need to know how to hone those things, Um, right? And there's ever subtle and subtle layers. A major thing that um, I've been working with in the last few years is feeding fantasy less, which I thought fantasy was like a great thing. I love that I'm a dreamer. Um, But seeing how much I could divest from fantasy and invest that energy into the reality of what's on the ground, what's actually here, um, instead of using little parts of what's here to launch myself off somewhere else. Um, And so that process has been helping me to find a lot more satisfaction with my actual life and less kind of like longing for something beyond um, which originally I thought was like a really great thing that I had access to, you know, for those of you who don't know or are new to me, I have a lot of Pisces placements in my chart. Um, And so I did spend a lot of uh, my earlier life, like I would be kind of in a room but I was very quiet a lot of the time and I would just be observing and kind of like, you know, the writerly part of me would like be seeing people as inspiration for characters and stories. Um, and there was just a way that I was moving through reality in, um, a somewhat detached way where it was like I was present, but the world that I was feeding was so much more this like private inner world than, um, the skill set yet of taking that inner world and putting it out into reality, um, which is something that as time has gone on, I've learned the dance of more and is this really beautiful thing of like bringing, you know, weaving the dream into reality, being a dream weaver. But yeah, I just want to invite you to think about how subtle the layers might be because um, yeah, how subtle the layers of fantasy are and noticing where we're feeding our energy and life force and what we're investing in and how split those realms become sometimes. Right. And it's also very much um, I think it's a coping mechanism, like, you know, like the image I gave of like the kid reading fantasy books in school. I think a lot of my imagination came from looking around my reality growing up and just being like, this isn't really like it for me. You know, I don't feel this like profound sense of belonging. Um, and there's something happening in my fantasy or in my imaginary world that's just more compelling to me. Right. And then as I gained agency to move in the world and be an adult and live where I want or create the life, you know, make choices for myself, um, as in kids don't really have that power. Um, I had to retrain parts of myself that were used to kind of living in my own bubble and like bringing it more into conversation with the world around me. So invite to think of the subtleties, basically. But let's talk about Saturn and how Saturn enters different realms. Right, because we think about Saturn as so realistic where it's like a planet of reality and hard realities and there's... There's also a side to it of going into other worlds. Saturn enters other worlds through the portal of depression or distance and isolation from the world, right? Just as I was describing of being a kid and being looking around and being like, mm, not for me, I'm going to go do my own thing in my own head <laughs> kind of thing. That's what Saturn does. It's not just Pisces that does that, um, creators, artists, writers have to spend a lot of time alone, you know, to birth their projects. There is a way that they're removing themselves um, from the world. There are certain times where our Saturnian function is lined up with doing things completely, you know, or largely in the world. We feel the drive to advance our career, be a um, contributing member of society. We see the mountain and we're climbing it. Right? So we're we're resonating with the the normal world, and the Saturnian liability in this kind of behavior is that of living a hollowed existence. You know, not necessarily, um, right? <laughs> but we might find ourselves reaching a milestone we imagined would be amazing, and we get there, and we feel just like really unimpressed. Like, wow, I thought that was gonna be you know, so amazing and I'm here and it's just kind of flat, right? Or we gather up and direct our life force energy to play a social game and we play it well and we succeed and perform and get to the top only to feel disconnected, you know, or feel sometimes day in and day out, like we're going through all these ways of forcing ourselves to be a certain way or forcing ourselves to move and do certain things that don't really light us up just because we know it's going to take us to the finish line that'll give us the accolades or the degree or the um, money or whatever. you know. And it's, it's a balance here because it's... There are ways that acting in the world in that way is far more convenient or conducive to um, being a member of society, right? So there's a little bit of like a... Um, how much are we giving ourselves and giving our life force energy to something? Um, and where is it like an ally for our soul of like this degree program or this adventure, this thing that I've, you know, doing this way that I'm directing my life, um, is in true connection to the thing that I'm here to do. Right. Versus how is it a shell where it's like, yeah, it's going to get me the results, but I don't feel connected. And Saturn's other impulses, you know, besides like doing the game and playing the game well, um, involve depression and taking a step away from the machinations of the world. This may be the state of consciousness that overcomes us when we have a difficult time in light conversation. Um, we can't, you know, keep it, keep that conversation going at parties or gatherings and we just want to be alone. Um, or we can't keep up with the demands of our career or workplace Because, you know, we're just fed up and what does it all mean anyway? Sometimes we resist this and we try anyway to push, get a grip. In the state of melancholy that this experience is, other worlds open up. Culturally, it's been my experience and understanding that we don't have a lot of approval or permission um, or understanding for this particular terrain. Right, Like depression is problematized, um, and one runs the risk of not going deep down enough, like trying to stay up, stay happy, stay in control, keep your life together, um, or getting stuck somewhere in the middle, like resisting the full descent, um, but not being able to come up anyway. Um, And then culturally, we don't really know how to relate to this space in general right and this comes from a a way that we're disconnected from nature and the cycles of nature right like we um we love youth we love springtime and summer not as much fall and winter or um there's also the kind of western philosophical tradition rationalism um, reason and really preferring the illumination of what's in the light of day, and not really liking what's mysterious or messy or in the dark or lunar or subterranean. Um, and generally kind of celebrating the the coming up, you know, and being on the up and up, and okay, well, we feel sorry for you if you're um, going through a rough time, right? More like, yeah, I feel sorry for you, not like I, I honor like what your soul is doing right i trust you there and the sense of um the goal being about feeling better as quickly as possible um and it being edgier to surrender into the funk or the down or the depression and certainly um one could get lost in those depressive states as well and turn it into a personality right? Where it is instead of a movement of soul and something cyclical and something seasonal, one just starts to become chronic in that space and there's something else, you know, going on. So that can be an issue also. But, you know, thinking about these really difficult times that you've had in life per se, where you were just down hard and that you even lost the ability to um, really just be like, happy and well, right? Like maybe you felt like really connected even to your soul or like you were um, bearing the burdens well even, but you weren't necessarily like capable of feeling super lighthearted or carefree. Um, And in these moments, these seasons, if there's something that you touched, right, or a kind of internal awakening or stirring that you look back on it and you can see how you were made a better person for it. Right? Like I've had um, plenty of these and the the way that it really feels like the myth of Persephone too, where it's like following, it's like, oh, this flower is so pretty, I'm going to go to it. And then it, you know, the earth opens up, you get swallowed into hell and there's this whole underworld descent process. Um, of course, in the myth, Persephone becomes the queen of the underworld and there's different versions of the myth where it's not so much an abduction, but like a a soul contract or like a deeper truth of who she already was to begin with. And the descent is about remembering that like, Oh, I'm a queen down here. Right. Um, and so these kind of unwilling descents, um, yeah, there's just been times in my life where I've not had the capacity to be in the kind of high or be as happy as I want or something, or I'm dealing with something like grief or loss, um, or some kind of disillusionment that just takes me under, and I go back and forth intuitively, depending on what feels like the true medicine for what I'm going through. Of like, is this a time to like start to turn the energy and cultivate life force to be able to um, build some fire, build some more, you know, enthusiasm or connection in that way? Or do I need to follow this tunnel down? Right. And so having those moments where, these depressions or these descents or these dark nights of the soul take us somewhere that is valuable, even if it's not really glamorous or fun. And so while we associate Saturn with reality and the real world or real life, it's also true of Saturn that the melancholic state um, that's associated with it are these portals that have the power to mutate our self-concept and our very reality. Right? Like, um, Again, I think it's sad that like some perceptions of mental illness um, take situations where people, you know, could be having, there could be an opening or there could be something for them in that. Um, Something I'm thinking about specifically is just like public school um, is, you know, I think has nightmarish qualities to it. Um, I went through it without really knowing the difference um there were certain circumstances like in my early life of just not feeling resonant with the cultural reality or you know the reality that i was living and kind of receiving the messaging of like well you know it's depression and it's a chemical thing um but when i felt into it and like what i realized from it was there were certain things like certain soul nutrients that I didn't know about myself yet, so I didn't have the wisdom to feed myself in that way, and my reality wasn't either, per se. Um, And so that's where it can become like an identity, right? It's like we're in the soup of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just depressed. it's like maybe, no, there's something, you know, amiss. And now as well, you know, again, in a more like adult state or having more agency to move around as I please, um, having these times of depression or just like a funk emotionally come over me, and feeling into what happens if I give into it, and what where it shows me the places where, you know, like when we have a lot of energy and we're really enthusiastic, we can we can do a lot of extra stuff, right? Like we have the energy to put up with things, we have the energy to overextend ourselves, uh, but when we're really low and contracted, we can start to see where some of those expenditures aren't true, you know, of like, I'm working this like really stressful job, and I'm starting to get depressed because it's wearing on my spirit, right? And so to actually go into that depression is scary, because it means that not only do we have to feel those feelings, but it might also be so compelling that it requires that we change our lives, right, that we do something different, And that feels like a loss of control because maybe that very job that we hate or feeling really drained by gives us a certain sense of security. And when we don't like it, we're comfortable, right? So there's ways that the descent is um, threatening and annihilating to the ego. Um, It's a portal to another realm. And it's one that also, you know, is not, it's not a walk in the park. It's not, um, It's not like an easy walk, even like in terms of like navigating, it's like a little bit more like a maze. And I think there's a lot of confusion um, and places that we can get stuck or get inside of illusion or look at things in a way where it's not quite it, you know? And so that's also scary about it because you're wandering in a maze in the dark and you don't know what that means. And isn't it easier to just stay on the above world where there's light? And even though I don't totally like it, at least I know how to get around. Right. So Saturn has that kind of like it's going to bring the energy down and in and there's a portal in that. So on learning how to navigate multiple worlds. Right. So we're talking about these different realms of what we think of as normal reality versus these other visionary states or depressive states or um, trans states and so on. We're given the challenge in this life to know how to exist in multiple realms. Many skilled, intuitive, psychics, healers, et cetera, have to go through the struggle of learning how to bring their gift into a social marketplace and create a business which sustains them in a real way, right? And they might also resist that by being like, well, I shouldn't charge for it, right? But if they don't and they're trying to use all that energy that they have this natural gift that they could be in service that way, but then they're feeding a lot of their vital energy into a job that isn't that um, it's like the way that their reality is structured, isn't supporting them and having the time and resources to do that other thing. Um, and so it's a, it's a problem, right? Either way, like figuring out how to integrate that particular skill or affinity with the world. Um, there's a give and take either way. Or maybe a person has to navigate understanding their complex, sensitive inner world, and how they want to be in friendships, community, and romantic relationships, right? Like how many projections, how many like inner subjective worlds do I have? And how am I interfacing with the reality of the other or the shared reality in between us? We're working to combine and integrate worlds all the time. Maybe a person is working to unravel their reactive trauma responses, a world, you know, an intoxicant of its own, so that they aren't perpetuating them into their real-life situations and relationships. Maybe this also requires adjusting the real-life situations that they're in, such as extricating themselves from the places that keep them stuck in the place they are healing, right? Like a person recovering from alcoholism isn't socializing in bars anymore as a Um, example but again subtlety and nuance of how that would you know this is also something I think about manifestation and playing about like weaving the realms is that we can get a dream out of nowhere like a dream that just lands inside of us and then there's also a way that our environment or our real life circumstances inspire and influence us and when you can both move toward the vision and toward the worldly execution of that vision, there's a lot of power or like groundedness in that. Versus when you have a vision running, but your actual life choices and things that are happening on the ground and environments that you're placed in are at odds with that, um, there's a challenge in that. Like either it's a temporary circumstance that you are having the um, willpower to make it through, right? Like you're in a... um, You know, maybe you're in a degree program because it it does really matter to you to have that particular credential, but you're not like fully on board with everything or maybe you don't like the community or something like that, but you're able to get through it um, and, you know, be around the influence of the thing, but make your way through the experience Um, versus places maybe where we are kind of. For whatever reason like almost like undoing our own efforts um like there's the vision and dream that you're talking and thinking about but when it comes to the choices you're making they don't match up and so there's something there that you know we can be auditing Saturn you know in Pisces will be a time of really reflecting on that Perhaps this time period of Saturn and Pisces stresses that there are multiple architectures in reality to be aware of. The socially constructed reality has certain rules that when we learn to play them and even skillfully break them, we're able to experience certain successes, right? And certain worldly conveniences and um, privileges and so on. The spiritual worlds and natural worlds also have architecture, which is essentially what people are working to figure out when they play with spiritual tools around manifestation or magic, for example. We could take into account the real degree of confusion or not knowing we have in navigating certain realms or worlds and that this is a time of learning how to be more skillful in the worlds, right? Plural worlds, right? Seeing where it is that you're not really having the results Um, You don't feel like you're on track yet in a particular world that you are trying to be on track in, whether that's um, something very pragmatic around survival and resources and business and money or something like that, or about, um, you know, your spiritual path and seeing the ways that you're stuck in these little karmic cycles that you run um, and you're trying to get deeper to the, the heart of it. And Saturn in Pisces is in Jupiter's home. Jupiter is the traditional ruler of Pisces. Um, And so we can really consider that in this time of learning, we need teachers, Jupiter. Teachers come in many forms. Sometimes we learn from other people. Sometimes we learn directly from plants and planets or spirit guides. We also learn from the feedback that life directly gives us, right? And like Being able to read the way that life is responding to us um, and also being able to see... Life can give us really direct responses, and sometimes the architecture of the real world filters and skews those responses because they're coming in through that, right? And so I want to think of, like, a good example The thing that's coming to mind is, say, like a workplace where um, the boss is kind of domineering or authoritarian in a certain way and also not fully taking inner, you know, responsibility or understanding of that, like just not seeing the degree of it. And they have employees or a work environment that... um, kind of cow toes to that person's authoritarian nature. So the person, you know, if they're sensitive enough, they may get the reflection of like people are acting kind of sycophantic or just saying what they want, you know, or like they're, you know, but the person has to be receptive enough to see that. But it may be that the matrix of how the thing is set up just allows things to be the way that they are. Um, so I say that about like life giving us, you know, feedback, um, it'll come through the different veils and lenses of what our circumstantial reality is. Um, and the thicker the Maya or like the thicker, the thing <laughs> of the lens, um, it may be harder to hear those reflections. Um, I'm going to leave that thought as a bookmark for now. But essentially, you know, saying that life gives us direct feedback and then having teachers and guides that we trust and feel an alliance with goes a long way in navigating these initiations, right? Because one of the parts of Pisces is confusion, right? Or also, as I was saying, that kind of dark maze at night, um, we're looking at like Saturn is like the known structure of reality and Pisces is is the infinite mystery, and so when we're having a deepening to places we've never been before, um, it's nice to have a guide or a way shower, right? And we also play that role um, ourselves in the ways that we carry medicine or teachings. Another theme, uh, being sober of illusions. One of the biggest assignments that Saturn and Pisces asks of us is to become more sober in the places that we're intoxicated. And this is not so that we have to settle for some depressing, boring, um, agonizing reality in its stead. I've actually really come to see that the truest, deepest thing that we desire and dream of and also get twisted up about and have all of our like traumas or pain points about, right? These, this dream is connected to us. It's possible. Maybe not in the way that we think, right? Or maybe there's there's something deeper, There's layers of illusion and crust over it that have to be addressed. Once we mature our vision and touch our dreams from that place, we are often glad that the younger version of ourselves didn't get what they thought they wanted anyway, right? I think a lot about some of the ideas of what I think I wanted earlier in life, and I'm like, I was so, like, mad in some sense or frustrated that I wasn't getting it from life or, like, the universe wasn't giving it to me, and I look back and I'm like, that was nice that the universe withheld that from me. I get it now. Like, And that's a very kind of Saturnian thing. Um, let's take an example of the romantic who wants to experience the one and find their soulmate, which is a very Pisces dream, actually. Pisces is very romantic. A lot of the sentiment and desire in this is innocent. The desire to be so ecstatic, to feel so connected, to feel so met, to love so deeply, right? To be on this adventure and this opening of love. However, to what extent is the possibility of manifesting a really, you know, deeply rooted foundation um, or like a relationship, a trusting, beautiful relationship that is this like spiritual partnership that has this great foundation, right? To what extent is that challenged or compromised by the following illusions and intoxicants, just to name a few, early childhood wounding or attachment trauma that's unconsciously running the show, the desire to be rescued or saved in some way by the other or the dream the other provides, nervous system addictions to particular feeling states or emotional cycles, wanting the one and the high they provide so badly that a person neglects addressing particular issues in the relationship, feeding the illusion or dream more than the reality of what's happening with the other having a hard time seeing others clearly or as they are and trying to fit them into the mental fantasy of the one, what the one should look like, overlooking or underemphasizing certain things just to maintain the fantasy. You get my point, right? Like there's these different intoxicants along the path of said dream of finding the one. You can do this same thing for other dreams and psychological patterns that would go alongside them. And it's also not the other side of the pendulum that true love is just a fairy tale myth and it isn't real. It's the reality that there may be parts of the dream, the way that we're relating to it, our current capacity in relationship to the dream, that's immature or uninitiated, right? These immature uninitiated parts of us that are trying to get the thing but doing it in a way that's not functional or healthy or sober, So taking the deepest responsibility for our relationship to our dreams and illusions would be a theme of Saturn and Pisces. These lessons, like the ones I was speaking to a moment ago, are hard and sometimes gut-wrenching to learn. And trust me, I've, I know if you listen to Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, the audio novella that I shared to Magic of the Spheres podcast, you know, it's pretty connected to that. Um, no one likes to feel their innocence or their Garden of Eden challenged or reigned on. It's terrible. It's like, as you know, for Pisces, it's like there is such a deep innocence and um, Saturn in Pisces is like really maturing that innocence. And there's, um, I think a deep grief in that of grieving these kind of like innocent notions, but also um, there's something beautiful in like what's the next evolution of it that's actually more rooted and more mature and more sustainable. Right. And when it also comes to like the challenge to take responsibility for these parts of us that are immature in relationship to our dreams, um, you know, sometimes it's just that like energy of like, I don't want to think about that. I just want to be in the dream, you know, like the sense of like, I don't want to think about the logistics or things I should be worried about, like, just let me have my dream, you know, or we can feel shame for feeling naive and gullible and drunk And shame can have a quality of like then not taking responsibility or not taking accountability within ourselves. It's like, oh, I'm ashamed. I just don't want to deal with that or think about it, right? Shame, I suppose, could be another (laughs) portal with Saturn. Like depression is where like reality mutates. Shame can be um, a toxin. It can be um, debilitating, but I think also being able to have some part of us like die or really be confronted through shame um, in the way that we truly feel it um, could also be a portal. A higher potential of Saturn in Pisces speaks to me of cultivating and manifesting a dream into reality. That's not just some wispy feather or like a, a damsel resting in temporary protection. Like I have my dream, but I'm at risk of losing my mind and having a total breakdown if anything should rip it away from me. So it's good for now, but like not secure kind of thing, right? Like don't do anything to pop my dream. But the real anchor in our souls, like a a deep, deep rooted dream that's become part of reality. We've gone through the initiations to have the responsibility, maturity and capacity to relate to the depth of the dream that muses our very life, right? It's the dream moves through us for a reason. Our capacity to really understand it at the deepest level of responsibility is the Saturnian journey, is the set of initiations. People avoid or delay this maturation process when they don't take responsibility, when we experience disappointment or disillusionment and enter into a space of You know, God hates me or I'm just being punished. It'll never happen for me. It's everyone else's fault. Or whatever tricky illusion we ally with that maintains our despair and immaturity. I have to say, too, that, like, really developing a capacity to grieve is supportive for this. Um, Because what I've really gotten to learn... um, as like a gem or a jewel of Saturn return is like how to be with disappointment in a way that instead of contracting and closing off to life from that disappointment, actually opening even further and really um, relating to the disappointment with an open heart, being broken open by it and letting it be a portal into uh, this awakening of the depth of my feeling and the clarity of my desire and, um, and to not shut down to life or shut down to myself because of disappointment, right? That was a hard one for me. And then to like really relate and open to disappointment. I think there's something in that um, that when I didn't have as deep a capacity for it, I'd be like squirming and writhing and just being like, I can't even deal with this. Like, this is unbearable. God hates me, this person, you know? And just like going into this whole like, um thing um as opposed to just being like wow that that hurt that's devastating and like opening into that right and so i'm suggesting it here as like through the lens of responsibility with saturn and pisces um because pisces is about you know our dreams dreams are related to hope and what's on the other side of hope is disappointment right like hope either like oh yay getting what we want or like the crash you know it didn't work out um yeah and just thinking of our relationship to that being spiritual Pisces doesn't mean we're mature Saturn about it um it really doesn't right like those things uh can be woven together as we develop both um but they also can accompany one another in terms of their deficiencies Spiritual maturity should be worth pursuing to anyone on this path, right? If you're on a spiritual path, it's um, not cute to feed all that spiritual energy. Um, lost my train of thought. Not my train of thought, but my part on the page. Let's see oh yeah, it's not cute to feed all that spiritual energy and opening into a young or wounded part of the self um, that we mistake as some kind of despairing wisdom of the truth. Um, Right? Like finding some kind of philosophical or spiritual rationale to explain why God hates you and it will never work out for you. And really believing that, right? Or like there's some kind of like psychological component to that, but the spiritual story around it is so compelling of like, oh, it's this placement I have in my chart or what have you, Um, you know? even And then when we do have difficult placements in our chart, there can be a sobriety about that too of like this is a challenge and like how am I going to work with that? Anyway, as someone who's been inside of those gates, right, feeling punished by God (laughs) or like feeling victimized by life, feeling like it will never work out for me. When will it happen? I understand this pull. I also had these kinds of struggles even when intellectually I knew I was doing it. I just didn't know how to escape it. The main thing that's liberated me sequentially as the work is ongoing um, has been knowledge, right? Experience and knowledge, but a Jupiter Pisces theme and having the experiences and teachers that have guided me into applying that knowledge. I'll just take like a, a moment also to stare here. I'm a an evolutionary astrologer um, in terms of my origin of my practice. I've been studying a lot of traditional and Hellenistic astrology in the last few years. So um, when I'm delineating transits, I I'll go in multiple directions and yeah, talking about. Pisces with Jupiter is something that I would not have done a couple years ago, Um, but also just naming that because sometimes my, um, you know, I teach evolutionary astrology and I I really teach um, that particular tradition and I'll share kind of um, some differentiations between different forms of astrology now with my students as I have gained more capacity to do that. But yeah, for my evolutionary astrology students hearing me talk about Jupiter and Pisces, you know, we talk about Neptune and Pisces in the EA intensive and whatnot, which is now called Dragon of the Moon, an evolutionary astrology initiation. And we'll be going into that um, again in February. And I'll just take a moment to talk about it because I didn't um, announce it at the beginning and that, you know, it's open for applications right now. We begin in February and it's a comprehensive psychological, archetypal, soulful exploration of the storyline of our soul, like where we come from, what are the kind of personality patterns our soul has been working with and karmas our soul has been working with in prior lives? How has this influenced this current life and how have the very situations that we've drawn in or been born into been a continuation of that story? And within that lucid awakening of the dream that we're incarnated into, gaining more visions for how to play with this life, how to untangle some of those places of our deepest, you know, unconscious attachments, which is what, you know, Pluto will get us into, um, and relate to that power, like liberate that life force energy to relate to it more and more intentionally. Um, So this program is a, you know, it's in service to helping you find a deeper transmission with astrology, whether you're already pretty deep on the path as it is in all levels course or um, you're newer to it and maybe you know some things about the signs and planets, but you don't know how to look at a chart and like really feel it and integrate it as a whole. Um, So this class is about really deepening your literacy and feeling your connection to your astrological channel um, and then learning this particular form of astrology and set of techniques that help us inquire into the nature of the soul and the soul's story. So this program, a lot of my students, you know, report having like a far more expansive in terms of like spiritually healing, psychologically healing experience than they would have even anticipated. Um, And I feel that's in part to how much time we spend with the outer planets, which represent transpersonal or beyond forces. And in building conversation with them, they muse us, they teach us. Um, It really is an enchanted practice. And so for those of you feeling called to study or go deeper, you can find the link in the notes to Dragon of the Moon to learn more about the course um, and apply. And getting back to our Saturn and Pisces. All right, so I was talking about having guides or teachers, um, hence also thinking about teaching, um, as a way to kind of navigate these deeper storylines that are coming up that are not so much like the rational light of day kind of stuff, but these deeper movements of our desire nature and our soul and psyche. Right. And even realizing like, yeah, these deeper adventures or initiations I'm on in my life are accompanied with places of my unconscious or, Childhood imprinting and whatnot. And so to become aware of that, I think is such a Saturn and Pisces like awakening, like sobriety Saturn and Pisces. It's like we don't always know what those unconscious programs that are like running the show behind the scenes are. Like if we knew, we wouldn't be intoxicated by them in the same way. There does come a point of awareness where we actually see them and we see um, what's happening, but then we gain the choice to go down that path or make another choice. Right. And that's like the awakening after not even knowing at all. Um, But I'm thinking about intoxicants with Pisces as also these like kind of like unconscious hypnotic states of um, that come from inner child stuff or psychological complexes and whatnot as another, you know, or nervous system things as an intoxicant, as much as a drug or alcohol. But maturing our places of non-sobriety, maturing our illusions, and coming into deeper resonance with the dream that muses us is not something that happens overnight, right? It's an ongoing process, and this is likely a place where Saturn will be working us during this time of Saturn and Pisces. But if we follow the medicine of it, we can come out stronger and more connected at a foundational level to the very dreams that enchant our existence, right? It's almost like this cycle of like having this innocent and precious dream having it be crushed, right? And then having it come back in this way that's like more mature or like has a better foundation and being like, oh, I, like it was okay to want what I wanted all along. Like I just didn't even understand how to be in relationship with that dream inside of me. Um, it's faith renewing for sure. And the moments of despair or lapses in faith and trust do not need to be the end of the story. They hit so deep. Like it is deep pain, Um, Those are moments of touching bottom before the breakthrough. The more comfortable we can become with that discomfort, the less susceptible we are as well to the gripping or clinging onto beliefs or visions just to feel better. And we can be more patient in our cultivation of touching something truer, something that really lands. Right. Like that's maturity. I think also with Saturn um, is that capacity to be in slowness with making decisions and Pisces were thinking about like our relationship to spirit and belief and faith. And so, um, not having to do something that feels like we're just trying to be in control or like grip or, or yeah, just soothe ourselves, um, in place of being with the space and time that it may take to get in touch in that way. So we're coming to a close here. I hope that you found this helpful and that it supports you in touching and meeting some deeper truths in the next two and a half years. I think we love to see the dream realized and come into fruition. And while dreams are very beautiful and sweet in of themselves, they work us to the bone too. So that's a closing Saturn and Pisces image for us as dreams that work us to the bone. Um, and In following the medicine of that, it being a stronger foundation, the dream manifesting into reality in a real way, right? And going through the passages of really deconstructing or being disillusioned um, or sobered in the places where it doesn't always feel good, right? But it might be what is mm, truly the most nourishing. So let me know what you think. If you have any um, reflections about Saturn and Pisces and do like this video uh, and subscribe to my channel, hit the notification bell so that you know when new videos come out, check out Dragon of the Moon. Um, I'm also leaving a link in the notes um, because I have some astrology reading um, availability in January and February, and these are evolutionary astrology fusion readings, which combine the evolutionary astrology approach, Pluto on the lunar nodes, looking at your chart from a soul-based perspective, um, and then doing some personalized visualization, EFT tapping or Akashic channeling at the end, hence the fusion in the title, to work with some of the themes that came up, right? So if there's something that came up that we're talking about, it's so deep with Pluto, right? And so we can be talking about something where there's some... um you know, shift we can make at like an emotional alchemy level um, with something like tapping or visualization. And then the Akashic channeling is for opening up more perspectives. um, And we'll pick one of those depending on what's coming up for you in the session and what um, sounds good to us both. I also have a mailing list. That's a great way to learn about astrology reading offerings um, right when they open. And I think that's all. If you want to connect with me on social, Instagram at Sabrina Monarch, beware of all the imposter accounts, not just mine, but in the astrology, tarot, etc. communities in general. Um, and yeah, I'll leave it at that. Thank you for spending this time with me to contemplate Saturn in Pisces. And I would love to hear from you and I'll leave it here.